Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Recover Everything podcast, where we have honest discussions about everything in recovery. I'm your host, Chris West, and on today's episode, we have the Recovery Pact, a political action committee out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Politics. It's a tricky subject. Who do you vote for? Why do you want to vote for them? It's hard to trust that who you vote for is going to do what you want them to do. But as Americans, we have the option, may I say privilege, to cast that vote. To have our voices be heard. And in a lot of countries, that is not a privilege that is given. So, this is the first time I've really understood what a political action committee was and does. And at first I was a little skeptical. But with going through this this interview, I feel like I've learned to respect the process. And And though I may not personally agree with the group nature of a political action committee, I do respect the process. And I do appreciate the effort. I appreciate the commitment to a cause. My co-host today is Dr. Sarah Shonian. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. We are here with Monica Cherez from the Recovery PAC. PAC stands for Political Action Committee. And we are excited to have her here. Right, Chris? Yes, I am incredibly excited. Why are you all so excited? Because you're lovely. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm nodding my head yes. Mm-hmm. And you said yes. I did say yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, great because Monica's a good human being to be around. Thanks. She has nice energy. Yeah. I try. Good. Yeah. I hope you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. All you can do is try. <laughs> so tell me what you do, Monica. I work for a political action committee. I'm actually the political coordinator. So what that means is I personally get to harass (laughs) gently all the politicians and endorsed candidates, elected officials, or excuse me, um, elected officials and candidates that are running for office and let them know that recovery is important and recovery matters. And it does. It yeah. does. They and a lot of them already know that. They just a lot of them don't. It seems like as well. <laughs> a lot of them don't. Um, but that's what I do: is I seek them out and call them, call their campaign managers, show up at events, and let them know who we are, and let them know that recovery is important and it's important to their constituents, and that they need to be versed in recovery mm-hmm. if they want to. Be valuable in politics. So what is an actual political action committee? A political action committee, their sole purpose is to endorse candidates or causes. So there's political action committees that support one side of the spectrum or ones that support the other side or support causes, pro-guns, you know, pro-abortion. We're a pro-recovery pack. So mm-hmm. we support candidates that support recovery and specifically that support our platform which is what's your platform 
our platform is advancing uh, criminal justice and decriminalizing addiction, um, also ending the stigma Mm -hmm. against um, those uh, suffering from addiction and mental health issues, and supporting multiple pathways to recovery, whether that be treatment, whether that be housing, faith-based, 12-step groups, just different models work for different people. There's not a one-size-fits-all. You said something about justice. <clears throat> yes. Uh, what was that? Criminal justice. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about criminal justice. Okay. A lot of people who suffer from addiction and mental health issues end up in the criminal justice system, and that's just not the place for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they get caught in a revolving door, sure. if you will, about um, being criminalized for an illness that they have no um, that they have no choice in. And so we see people institutionalized and locked up and they don't actually ever get the help they need. And then when those people do end up out of the institutions, they're just kind of left on the side of the road with no place to go. And so we think <clears throat> we think it's important that people have, Um, That the criminal justice system can be a place to identify those with mental illnesses and substance use disorder, substance use disorders, and lead them away from being locked up and thrown into institutions. So essentially, it'd be like uh, you're saying the the actual justice system should be almost like a like a filter. Yeah, like a filter. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it's not that it even should be. It just is. Right. Yeah. But they all seem to filter into the same place, which is not good for Um, many of them. Right. That's what happens. People, you know, you get arrested for a DUI or disorderly conduct, and you're dealing with law enforcement, and then you're therefore dealing with the criminal justice system. And that's just the first line of who is dealing with this sometimes. Do you think there's a line, though? between like harmful actions and mental illness absolutely it's we're, we're definitely not saying like oh you murdered someone when you were high so you should you know be free of that you know people do our people make multiple sure. offenses that's up to judges and lawyers to decide that but we just want those judges and lawyers to be informed that instead of sending someone to prison on their first offense that maybe giving them a chance to recover, they may not see them in there again. Does, does that happen at all now? Like, at all? Like, is that happening at least a little bit? I uh, think it's happening a little bit. Yeah. I think they're, they're, we do have effective drug courts, and they're, they're very effective. We just, we need to be better. Right. We can be better. I wonder, too, about the, <clears throat> the long game, usually, because yeah. I've heard a lot about increasing the number of drug courts, and then if we... I feel like a lot of these judges and attorneys are receiving this information and then they recommend treatment for people. But the problem is that there's nowhere for people to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so if a judge is like, okay, Monica, you have, you know, you have to go somewhere for 90 days. Where are they going to go? Where do you go? Um, well, and that's another thing, too, with like the multiple pathways of the platform is, you know, sentencing you to 90 days in treatment, not 
treatment doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that people do five stints in rehab and they're not getting help. And why is that? Because maybe that model isn't going to work for them. Maybe right. they sure. need supportive housing. Maybe they need 12-step fellowships. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need something else. And so giving people the option to choose how they want to recover mm-hmm. is really important, especially in the criminal justice system. How can politicians advocate for providing people with those choices? Being informed, just knowing that there isn't a one-size-fits-all model. And I think, too, even in the recovery community, we get caught up on what, like, you know, mm-hmm. certain methods of recovery, and we don't expand to know that there is that it doesn't really matter. As long as you have freedom from active addiction and whatever way that was, then... That worked. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, like, decriminalizing certain drugs? Because I'm, 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 not, I'm not advocating any drugs, obviously. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is that the criminalization of using drugs, I think, may do more harm. Like, if somebody's addicted to something, they obviously don't need jail; they need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, does does your um, pact have any? Uh, stance on like the decriminalization of drugs so that people don't immediately go to jail right we we don't at this point uh we get a lot of questions about medical marijuana Mm -hmm. and what you know what's going to happen now that marijuana is legal and you know we support recovery and we always like to emphasize that that yes marijuana is legal just like alcohol is legal and sure. people suffer from alcoholism and people are going to suffer from marijuana addiction. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. We just want people to have options. Yeah. Right. If they do get addicted, that there's a multitude of choices for them to get the help they need. Mm-hmm. It's so true too. I think that we get caught up a lot of times on the drugs mm-hmm. and it's really not about the drugs. No. Everyone's like, we have to get rid of them. Like we have right. to, like, let's, if we removed every single drug from the nation, like, we... Which will never happen. Right. Ever happen. No. Never. You know? Yeah. Especially with the opioid crisis, that's mm-hmm. a big thing, is that, you know, we've seen that be very rigorously, con- like, restricted. And what that did is that just got people on heroin. <laughs> of course. So restricting drugs isn't, you know, it isn't always the answer. We, you know, again, we support recovery so that people who do get addicted to whatever spectrum of drugs that they have options and places to you're recover. Not, you're, mm-hmm. You guys aren't really worried about, like, how or why they get the drug. It's just how can we help? Right. You know, for so excuse me, for so long, we're worried about how the drugs are getting here and why they're getting here and why are we doing this and this. It's, that's not working. Mm-hmm. People are dying. We, you know, it's, this is a national health emergency. We're looking at the solution. And what is the solution? People who are in recovery. You know, mm-hmm. people in recovery are living proof. They've survived the addiction crisis. So maybe they have answers and maybe we should ask them instead of trying to backtrack all these things. So back to your committee. Um, how, is it, how is it formed? So it's, it's pretty new, right? It's like a year, right? Yeah, we formed in February and we actually started Boots on the Ground in like June or July. Okay, so So less. it's very new. Yes. Yeah, super new. Yeah. 
So, I mean, the way, you know, political action committees are formed is it's, you know, just people who share a common goal and a common interest in, in a cause. Um, and that's that's what we did. We had a bunch of thoughtful people who were, you know, tired of recovery, not having a seat at the table and not being in these important conversations about laws that were being passed that affected people in recovery and so we formed a political action committee, and here we are. Who, who, who were the first that formed it? Like, were you there, or did they come to you? They came to me. <laughs> They're just, you know, people who have um, experience in treatment, people who have experience in other nonprofit um, associations, um, other recovery advocates. You know, just people who care about recovery here in Nevada just came together and, you know, it was it's it was a making in progress. It wasn't overnight. You know, this has kind of been over the past couple of years, you know, recovery has been taking center stage, uh, like I said, with the national health crisis and people have been just fed up. And not having a voice and not having a seat at the table. And finally, you know, enough is enough and you want to like put some action in it. And mostly you want to see if other people agree with you. Sure. And see if other people share similar insight. And so that's a big part of it is is organizing and mobilizing like-minded voters to get behind your issues. So uh, a lot of your pack is made up of people in recovery, yes? People who are in our pack, they care about recovery. Some of them are in recovery. Some of them aren't. They they all care about recovery in one way or another. Um, so you are in recovery, yes? I am in recovery. Um, do you find that it's difficult uh, or like there's a stigma when you're talking to officials uh, because you've been through recovery? Like. There's definitely, well, there's a stigma regardless if I'm talking to elected officials or if I'm talking to people at the grocery store, you know, when you tell someone that you're in recovery and, you know, especially, you know, I, the, my recovery, like I came from a really affluent background, meaning, meaning you don't talk about those things. Very affluent, very country club, very private schools, you know, if you, if you have someone in your family who's an addict and you're, it's considered like a failure to your family. Sure. And so those things were really highly stigmatized. And I think that's, you know, um, all people, you know, all people in recovery have been stigmatized. Um, but so when I do talk to people who are elected officials, um, I think the way you break that stigma is you talk about it and you let them know that it's okay to talk mm-hmm. about it. And that makes people feel comfortable, you know, talking about their experience with recovery, whether they have loved ones or whether they, they have a recovery house in their jurisdiction or sure. they have treatment centers in their jurisdiction. But by us talking about it, we're breaking that stigma. Uh, I'm going to go back to that same question. Um, again, you, you have, you're, you're getting your seat at the table. You're using your voice as somebody in recovery mm-hmm. with this pact of people who are advocating recovery. Mm-hmm. Is that sometimes brushed to the side? In the past, mm-hmm. it has been brushed to the side. That's why we've gotten political. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, the, in the past, 
there was no recovery advocates. And something that happens in recovery is, you know, we're taught to be anonymous mm-hmm. and sure. to not break people's anonymity. And what that did for our community is it made us not talk about that with yeah, I'm, 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 everyday folk. I'm learning more and more about the repercussions of yeah. anonymity. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that has deeply set us back, which is what this entire grassroots movement is about is toppling that whole thing upside down and not being anonymous and letting people know at every level that you support recovery. And this is who I am as a person. Yes. And, and it, and also just, um, like I said, by, by talking about it with elected officials, that makes them feel more comfortable because you come out and say, I support recovery. Now you've lowered that bar for them to talk about their experience with recovery or, or what their feelings are. Mm -hmm. You break down some of the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about how you choose who you endorse? Yeah, of course. We So first we came up with our platform like we talked about. We didn't really talk about the platform. Explain the platform yeah, okay. to me. So the platform, we have three pieces of our platform. Um, reducing the stigma associated mm-hmm. with addiction mental health. Pretty straightforward. Yes. And that's our biggest would, issue Yeah, is I'm, stigma. I think that stigma, I mean, it sounds straightforward, but I think it's more complex because stigma is really just like something in your head that like you have when you have like a snap judgment or stereotype about something. So people have judgments about even if somebody's in recovery, maybe they're like an alcoholic and then they hear about somebody that is living with um, a drug addiction and they're like, oh God, I would never do that. You know, like that's even though you're like, I was, I'm just an alcoholic. Like I still went to work. I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I never, you know, shot dope. Come on. That's not, I'm not, that's for those people. Yeah. You know, and then what goes farther is then stigma turns into discrimination. Discrimination is like just bleeding through all of the codes and state laws and how people are treated and, it's everywhere. So it's like a big, not only do we have to change the mindset, but then like the way in which people are Perceive acting that, too. Yeah. Much so. of the barriers that those who are in the recovery community, their barriers are all usually generated around stigma. Yeah. Even sure. when it comes to the other pieces of the platform, like advancing justice and the recovery pathways, it all comes back to stigma. Like, why are we throwing people in jail who mm-hmm. have mental illnesses? Because we, we have a stigma against them that sure. they're crazy and they're dangerous and they need yeah. to be locked up. And why are we saying that the only way for people to get help is to do 90 days mm-hmm. in treatment or these kinds of things? Like, we're not open right. to and accepting of all the different ways that people could get help. And what's interesting, too, about the different pathways is that... With, for people that don't have resources or they're if they're underinsured or they don't have insurance, um, 90 days in treatment is not always an option for people. And then the yeah. options that are provided by the state are then even restricted even more, you know. Right. And 90 days in treatment is it's like, costly. Yeah. It's like, well, I know that you have a bus path or I know that you're homeless and you are using meth and heroin every day. But we're going to give you a bus pass and some methadone and hopefully that will help. And that's. Quite, uh, let me be a little bit of devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. Um, they do work for some people. Yes, it is a pathway. What, mm-hmm. do, what does? A uh, bus? No, the 
recovery 90 day treatments. Some people, oh, they yeah. do help. It some worked people. for me. I went to yeah. treatment for yeah, 28 I'm, days I'm and saying, it worked for me. Right. It's, it's, it's a <gasps> pathway. Right. Yes. It may not work for everyone, mm-hmm. but it obviously has worked for some people. Yeah. I'm not advocating either way. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, no, we agree. We, I mean, mm-hmm. we support treatment. Yeah. We yeah. absolutely support treatment. We're just saying that, that that's, that's not the only way to get help. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I completely agree with that. Um, so, again, how does your community choose who to endorse? Mm-hmm. After, now we went through the, the platform, which is, you know, stigma, justice, pathways. Yes. Completely on, on the page now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we, we made the platform and we emailed and called every single candidate running for office mm-hmm. in Nevada. And we sent them our platform and we sent them a pledge. Mm-hmm. that said, do you agree with our platform and what can we do to help you? This is in your pledge. This is in our pledge. What can we do to help you as an elected official support this? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and you sent this to everyone. Mm-hmm. We sent this to everyone. All parties. All parties. Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. Sure. Whatever. Alien party. Tea party. <laughs> yeah. Tea <laughs> party. Exactly. <laughs> So, and, um, that was it. We, we sent them a pledge saying that they would pledge and promise to support the platform and that they would, and the things that they needed from us and the things that, uh, we could give them and what we, what we asked of them as well. Who, who were the first to respond? Um, you know, I don't remember. But the and the way that we actually did this, the way we made our endorsement committee is we had three of our supporters because, you know, I work for the pack. I'm paid by them. And so it wouldn't have been It's a conflict of interest for you to be on the endorsement committee, especially when because I'm the political coordinator and I'm dealing with all of these candidates and on a really personal level, a lot of times. So we picked three supporters. We picked, um, how'd you pick these three supporters? We picked them based on, we picked one Democrat, Uh one Republican and one nonpartisan so that it can be balanced. Mm -hmm. And these are people that are just involved in, these are just volunteers of the recovery pack that people that care and they come to the meetings and they, what's an average meeting look like? How many, um, like 15 people okay. usually and we meet candidates meet and greet candidates dr sarah's mm-hmm. been to them she could tell you yeah. how they went also yeah. how yeah, they, they go doug is there people stand up and they talk a little bit about their platform and then um, maybe their experience in recovery which seems to be important to a lot of people and um a lot of it is just kind of them speaking about why they're running, what's important to them. And then they open up, they give people the opportunity that are there to ask some questions about it. And that's it. All right. So you, mm-hmm. you, you have this recovery pack. You pick these three people for an endorsement committee. And then where they go in like a room and they work <laughs> shit out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we compiled all the applications and they went through each race. Some of the races, the other opponents didn't have any engagement with us. So those were pretty easy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there you just were, don't endorse them? 
we just don't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a toss up because one candidate has shown up at everything. So it wasn't like we needed oh, to okay. negotiate between their opponent because their opponent never came. That's yeah, interesting. So we would endorse them. Sucks for them. If they were a viable candidate. Mm-hmm. Fair they didn't enough. have any drama. Somebody showed some effort. You'd just automatically pick them. Mm-hmm. Not automatically. There were <clears throat> there were some candidates who they came to everything and you still didn't endorse them. We still did not endorse them. Um, you know, a lot of the factors are their electability. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're going to win. Whether or not they're going to win. You know, we're going to give them money and we need that to be a part of it. Is so you guys give them actual money to their campaigns? That's the sole purpose of is us uh, to give money. Wow. And endorse and support and, and raise awareness. Fair enough. Am I allowed to ask how much money are you giving them? Different candidates get different amounts. For statewide races, they get a different amount than a state senate race than a legislative race. You do you guys in, you don't endorse senate and congress, right? We don't. We're a statewide pack, so we don't endorse federal offices, but we endorse uh, the governor's race as well as the attorney general's race. That's yeah. just, those are statewide races. So, again, how much are you endorsing for Adam Laxo? I'm not part of the endorsement committee, so I you don't know. So I don't know, but enough. Yeah, (laughs) the endorsement doesn't just consist of money. It also consists of support from our past, and what that comes in the form of is phone banking from our volunteers. It comes in the form of canvassing from our volunteers. It may come in the form of hosting a forum at your home from one of our volunteers if they have a nice home and having a potluck there, meet and greet with candidates. So it's not just money that is a part of endorsing, but it's also support, which Mm -hmm. comes in grassroots forms, like I said. So these three people, one Democrat, one Republican, one... Nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. Go in the room, work shit out, Mm -hmm. pick a candidate from Mm -hmm. each. What happens if people don't agree with who they choose within the recovery pact? We work it out. How? Discussion, talking, like any civilized society. <laughs> this isn't always. This is always we didn't. We, Did you, do you end up losing members because of? No. Uh, we. So what's interesting is, you know, recovery is nonpartisan. It's not a D issue. It's not an R issue. And so. <clears throat> We have supporters who, for the first time in 40 years, voted for somebody from the opposite party. And they have never done that, nor would they have ever done that, except on the issue of recovery. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't hard when we were doing this because, like I said in the beginning, a political action committee is people who share a common goal. Everybody in that room cares about recovery Mm -hmm. and they compare, they care about the platform. But is there a difference between, you know, a recovery agenda and your own personal stance on things? All of our personal stance is to support recovery. So if you're down with recovery, then you rock. I wonder, so I, I, something that kind of breaks my heart, this is something I struggle with that I've been struggling with is I was a, um, a diehard activist and advocate for people that are misrepresented or don't have a voice like the recovery community. It really, something that I have a hard time with is like these people want 
somebody to support them and somebody in power to support them. And they ask questions like, do you have any personal experience with recovery? And somebody shares their recovery story. And then that just like melts their heart. And I think like, all right, statistically, everybody, more than 75% of the population has been impacted by addiction, whether it's somebody you care about or yourself. Mm -hmm. So like addiction doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care. It doesn't give a shit who you are, you know? So if you share your recovery story, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. What's next, you know? And then, you know, I, I think about people that don't have options and don't have resources and like the bigger picture of things. And I think about um, minority stress and I think about the development of addiction. I think about how gender plays a role in it. I think about how mm-hmm. trauma plays a role. I think about how sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, health insurance coverage and like addiction is a, a pre-existing condition. Like I think about all these things and I think about um, the bigger picture and I want I will always continue to advocate for everybody in recovery, but I just kind of wonder what your stance is on that. Because, I mean, you can join the Earth is Flat Club if you think that addiction is not a disease. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, come on. So it's... It's not. Like, oh, man, Chris, you know. (laughs) But, like, once you... um, like once you start talking about recovery it's like of course like we want these people to be clean like of course like it doesn't it takes five minutes you know to To understand but then you know you still have some people like i've heard people in power say like the word druggy and then i in front of a whole room of people that are supposed to be like our addiction treatment professionals in the state and i think like you have no business sir treating addiction and I'm like, I want to go like hold somebody's hand walking into his office to receive treatment because that's not, if that's your core belief and it slips out, like get out, you know, mm-hmm. that stuff really gets me going. It makes me hot and sweaty just like talking about it and thinking about it because I want, like, I'm, I'll, sh- I'll, I'll go to bat for people, you know? And so I just wonder like what, what your perspective is on the bigger picture, you know, because addiction's not just like you're, it's like, you're not just like, there's not, not one root cause, you know, it's not like you're an addict, you're not, well, you know, it's not, it's not that black and white. Mm-hmm. We definitely, so I agree with what you're saying. And we mm-hmm. did, when we would meet with elected officials, we would ask people, you know, do you support recovery? And like you're saying, of course, everyone yeah, says, yeah, yeah why mm-hmm. wouldn't you, you yeah. know, who doesn't know somebody that's mm-hmm. affected and that's where our um our pledge came in is we asked more in-depth questions what exactly are you going to do because saying i support recovery yes i think it's great i think everyone needs to have get the help they need mm-hmm. and we need to do that saying that is different than laying out specifics mm-hmm. and so we asked people for specific ways that they were going to support recovery and the things they needed from us to make those things happen. Is there like a metric that you have after whoever you endorse is elected to make sure that they stick by these? Yeah. What happens if they blow it? Do you like blast them and then we all come after them with pitchforks? Yeah, we do. (laughs) For real. You let me know. For reals. So we actually, we have an advocate network um, on our website, recoverypack.org. And when people sign up for our action alerts, that's exactly what that's for is the people who we have endorsed Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it in Carson City and it comes down to passing laws that will affect our recovery community. And if they are not supporting the pledge like they said they would, 
<clears throat> we have a system in place to make sure that all of our recovery pack supporters know that this is somebody who we endorsed, that we gave money, that we supported, we knocked on doors for them, we got them elected, and now they're in Carson City and they're not supporting our legislation like they said they would, and we're all going to go rally against them. Wow, that's like so how? cool. Like you, you would march? March, protest. Can you ask for your money back? No, you can't ask for your money back. I would. Refund. Well, what's interesting is I could that do that for an iPhone. Sometimes it so, doesn't so, work like that in politics. No, no, sometimes, you, you know, like so you say, and I've heard the PAC say many times that people will vote for somebody that's in a different political party if they think that they'll advocate for recovery. And I've had. I'm st- I still got some questions about that, by the way. That's crossed no my mind, too. There's there's a candidate that you're endorsing who I've met that I'm like, oh, this. Right. I like them. But that's it. Really. You know what I mean? Like. And I'm like, I would think about it. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is really supporting recovery, a comprehensive overview of people in recovery, means that the people that you endorsed, when challenged with this situation, they're going to have to vote opposite of maybe something they would do too. So it's like you'll bend in the recovery community to support you, but they got to bend for the recovery community too. Yeah, that's that's where I have like my question is, Again, with the metrics and whatnot, and where, where, so what you're telling me is these people that, that you, that work with you in this committee and are advocating for recovery, you guys all put your personal agendas aside. Absolutely. It's politics, right? That's what politics is there. You can't, it's not personal. Well, I mean, more like. If you want to get anything done in politics, you, you may have somebody one day literally putting the middle finger in your face and the next day you need to work with them to get something done. If you're a good politician and you care about your constituents, I guess I understand you will. That. It, I guess as a normal per like a, somebody that's not regularly involved in politics, it's hard for me to separate that where like, okay, I'm for a specific cause, but I also, you know, pro choice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know how to separate that mm-hmm. as as an individual mm-hmm. as opposed to a political action committee mm-hmm. where maybe you have people that don't agree with everything Adam Laxalt is doing, mm-hmm. but he's who your political action committee endorses, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've endorsed him for governor. And I'm just wondering what are the people that don't necessarily agree with all of his agendas but do agree with the the recovery part of what he wants to do. How do they rectify that? Like, do you have any personal stuff with, like, maybe not this candidate or maybe another candidate? You don't have to name. I'm not expecting you to do that. But you don't necessarily personally would like to endorse, but you are a part of this recovery pact and are, you know, your vote means something. Mm -hmm. And you're not only voting for recovery, but now you're also voting for everything else this guy wants to do. Right. And you know what? That's going to happen. Even if I wasn't in the recovery pack and I'm just a normal voter, that's going to happen with any politician. They're not going to be perfect. No one is going to be perfect on every issue. And you are going to have, and I will, when I vote, I am going to have to vote for candidates who I do support, but there are things that I disagree with. And for this cause, the bigger picture is recovery and if they support recovery, then we support them, and all the other things are are we're in line with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's admirable but strange to me. 
it just personally, I think that, but I think that this is a really valuable topic because so many people, it's like you have, you pick the issues that mean a lot to you, but they don't understand. Like I've learned a lot talking with you and talking with Trey and talking with, you know, like other people in Mm -hmm. the pack and just at the events and stuff. And, um, I've learned so much about politics Mm -hmm. and it's, it's different. It's very, very different. It's not just like, this is what I believe in. Everybody mm-hmm. else should believe the same thing. Right. It's something that's like. It's democracy at work for reals. Yeah. Yeah. Like It seems like more like true democracy, you know? Yeah. And so it's really, I think, really important because I think a lot of people struggle with that because we see politicians on TV or hearing about things and it's like one day they believe this, the next day they believe this, and then there's supporters and it's like back and forth and people, they're like, well, this is still important to me because everyone picks one thing that's really important to mm-hmm. them and then they fight for that issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's important to be able to discern like the political agenda and how to get things done and then picking an issue that's important and then not, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done. You know, like I said, we're all here for recovery and everyone who's in our pack wants politicians who support recovery and who have outlined ways that they're going to support recovery. And the other things were, we can't save everything on, on every sure, issue. You have a specific agenda. We have a very specific agenda. And <clears throat> if they're down with recovery, then we, we support mm-hmm. them. I really uh, like, I like that. I like to hear that there's like a, um, <clears throat> a backup, like accountability. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm still a little more curious about the accountability stuff. Yeah, what do you want to know? I mean, just it's nothing you haven't told me already. I'm just curious about, like I said, an actual metric of like how you guys figure out whether or not, you know, they're doing what you what what they pledged they would do. We follow them and we stalk them Mm -hmm. in Carson City and we know what they're doing. We know the back room conversations were there how do you know the back room because we're in carson city and we're following them and we're in the we're in the meetings when they're talking about bills that are being passed and all of that is public information you can go online and get the meeting minutes from those committee meetings in carson city and so that's how we follow up with them it's we don't just release them to the wind Mm-hmm. We follow up and we call them too. We call them out and say, "Hey, what what are you doing voting for that? This this isn't you know." And another part of the pledge too that I want to like emphasize is, it's not just what they're gonna do. It's also how we can help them. We want them to call us when they're in Carson City and they get some really big bill that has to deal with treatment or recovery or housing. And they call us and say, hey, you know, we want to be able to inform that legislation as well. We want to be able to be a tool and a resource Mm -hmm. because we, you know, we do know about this stuff and who better to ask about recovery than us. And we can help guide them. So do you guys take like actual stances on things like let's let's say um, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. right? Um, the client you're endorsing would like to rescind the Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. To me, that it seems like that would affect negatively towards people in recovery. Mm-hmm. 
We don't have specific issues like that. Okay. So we, again, we've asked them to pledge to recovery and they've outlined things that they're going to do for people in recovery. And we have to cross those bridges when we get there. Fair enough. That's a huge, you know, a lot of, I run the social media for the recovery pack and a lot of the engagement I get on social media is, well, this group says that they want to do this with healthcare and how can you endorse people from this and this? And, and, you know, I explain to people our process and we can't close doors on different groups just before the doors have even opened. So we can't close these people out because they've said this and that we sure. have to wait till it happens and, and see what, when we get there. One question about the three people. How are those three people chosen? The Democrat, Republican, and nonpartisan. I mean, if they want, we asked people, some people didn't want to do it and some people did. In the very beginning, we didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't advertise that we were choosing people. We, Why not? Because we didn't want there to be any, Biases. yeah. We didn't want people who thought that they know everything about politics to volunteer themselves to be on the endorsement committee. Okay. So we didn't advertise it. We just had people come to the meetings and we had everyone write down their names and their phone number and their political affiliation. And then we compiled how many D's we had, how many R's and how many nonpartisans, independents, libertarian, whatever. And... <clears throat> We, we saw who showed up and who some people like physically couldn't come. They couldn't commit to the time commitment to be on the sure. endorsement committee. So it was a couple of things. It was just time, availability, willingness. Some people didn't want to. They wanted to support, but they didn't want that burden. It's a responsibility. The responsibility. So, yeah, it was a mix of a couple of things. Mm-hmm. But who had who had the final say? Um. Trey, our political director. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. It wasn't complicated. Okay. It wasn't. In the beginning, it, our our meetings were kind of small. So it wasn't like we had to pick out of thousands of names. I mean, we're talking about 15 people mm-hmm. and picking three. It wasn't a hard decision. Okay. Next question. So you guys start this committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get these people involved. Um, you're endorsing politicians. Mm-hmm. Where does that money come from? Like, how do you raise money? We fundraise just like any other fundraiser. We sell merch. We have fundraising events. We're, we're grassroots. So a lot of our donations are like the five and $10 donations. Um, believe it or not, a lot of like other politicians donate money to us um other nonprofits, just people who care about recovery we fundraise just like any other group is there any conflict of interest when other politicians donate to other politicians no there's not like most politicians do that most groups do that they pick a cause they believe in and they support yeah, if I'm a politician and I'm running for governor, sure. I want to support my lieutenant governor and Let's give say, them money, right? Sure. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just I'm just curious because they wouldn't they would then wait till you pick the person to endorse then. But they a lot of them didn't. They supported our cause and they're like, "Oh, I think this is great you're doing this. I'm going to give you 200 bucks or I'm going to give you 20 bucks." Fair enough. 
So even if we weren't going to endorse them and some of them we didn't. Yeah. But they supported recovery. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you guys transport people to vote, yes? We have, yeah. Um, how are those people educated on who to vote for? We have an endorsed slate of candidates. And they just, but do you actually explain to them why? If they ask, of course. Most people don't ask. They support recovery and they want to know. They're eager to know who do I vote for? I have, I got my ballot. I don't know who one of these people are. I've seen the commercials. I, I don't know what to believe. Sure. I, I'm not political, but I want to vote. I want to make my voice heard. And that's why we give them the slate of endorsed candidates so they can know that these people support recovery okay. and they care about recovery. And this is who we endorse. But if they ask beforehand, you have. Of course. Okay. I'm just. Mm-hmm. Most of the I people, don't know. Most of, this so is why we're doing the podcast most right Most of now. the people who they've met them. So mm-hmm. those meetings that Dr. Sarah was talking about, uh-huh. they've met the candidates. They've come to our meetings. They, and that's what those meetings are for. Those meetings are for people to get to talk to candidates running and to say, hey, I'm a person in recovery. And what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And get to meet them. So it wasn't really a shock when we revealed those candidates because a lot of them, they had already met them. Hmm. That's why we wanted pe- we, we want to support the process. You know, we want to encourage civic engagement. And that's why we're doing this is so that people can be involved and talk to their legislators and talk to their elected officials and let them know that they support recovery and ask them what their stance on recovery is. So what would be the, um, I guess, most important thing you would look at for a candidate who is supporting recovery? Like what what actual like issue? Is it just recovery in general or is there like, is there like a specific thing you guys want to happen? Well, the th- the pillars of the platform, those were the three most important issues to us. Stigma, is, justice, mm-hmm. and recovery path. Let's talk about recovery pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I read on your website, uh, you guys are, are advocating a little bit less of these 90-day programs, correct? No, I mean, we, we support... 90 day programs. But I, from what I was reading, it seemed like you were more about uh, having community based. Yes. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely, we, we support community based recovery. We support treatment. We support any pathway that people need to recover. There's do, not one preference or sure. over another at all. Do you, do you think these, cause, cause this is an actual quote from your website. Uh, the recovery pipeline makes things worse. What what does that mean? I don't know. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know what that means. I've, it's not a political term that I know. So I don't know what the recovery pipeline is. I think that that means it's just like one, like if you climb up a ladder and there's like one slide at the top and that's kind of what everyone gets filtered through. Right. And like, isn't that the, I, I was curious. That's why I wrote it. Yeah. There. No, I, I'm actually not familiar with that term. It's not a political term, so I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. Cause what, how I interpreted it, which may not be correct. Right. Was that there is this cycle mm-hmm. of 
like you said, um, you get caught with drugs, you need help. They either send you to jail or send you to a 90 day program that may or may not work. Mm -hmm. How I took it was that, um, the community needs to be more involved Mm -hmm. as opposed to this pipeline or process of just boom, 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 like almost like a, a conveyor belt mm-hmm. of, you know, people in recovery who aren't getting the help they correctly need. Because in my opinion, and this, I'm not saying this is with every recovery place, um, they're very profitable. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't really matter. It's actually more profitable if you do not stay mm-hmm. in recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh including the jail part, mm-hmm. including the 90-day part. Um, so, so again, how I took that was this pipeline or conveyor belt of sorts uh, is making things worse. I was going yeah. to agree with that. And, but that's, <laughs> and what's interesting, too, is like it's, it's like, um, to me, supporting recovery in multiple pathways means supporting recovery for all people, not the people that can afford it. Agreed. And that's, 100%. you know, like, it's like, oh, like, I'll support your recovery if you can pay this much for a thousand dollars a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fifteen hundred a day. Yeah. Yeah. More than that. A lot. It's yeah. insane, you know. Good but what's question. really interesting, too, is that, you know, like the, with the with the criminal justice piece, too, it costs people. It just seems so backwards. Like it like I wish that people in the state would just make like a giant like whiteboard and just think tank it all out because it doesn't make sense. They're they're spending more money to keep somebody incarcerated per day, but then only giving eighty dollars per day for treatment, which covers treatment where? Nowhere. Yeah. Oh, there's a waiting list. Then people die or they sit in jail and there's nowhere to send people. And it's like, well, what are you gonna do about that? And that's a big part of what we deal with is, you know, doing facts and figures and showing people. You guys provide the whiteboard for (laughs) the cost of incarcerating somebody versus the cost of getting them adequate Mm -hmm. treatment options. And when that person does enter recovery, that they are a much more valuable resource to their community than being incarcerated. They get a job, they start paying taxes, and they get involved in their community whatever way, and they have families, and they go to school, and they vote. Mm -hmm. And that that is a much better investment. Of course. Than incarcerating. Yeah. And and if investing in more effective options for people, too. Because, I mean, I feel like it's just like a vicious cycle over and over again of investing in options that, like you said, like options that don't work. And it's like... Um, it's not necessarily like there's, there's two sides. There's one, like you were talking about Chris, where it's more profitable for them to not, to not be successful because then they come back. Right. But then the other part of that is that they're like, well, um, we're just going to fund this group in this state funded facility. And we don't really know what they're talking about clinically. We don't really know what the treatment looks like, but that's what we're funding. And then when people relapse, it's like, well, they weren't ready. What, Put what, them in jail. You know, you know, so there's not an oversight there. Maybe you know this, Sarah. Uh, what is like the average percentage of relapse? Relapse rates? Um, with, the, well, with the current treatment model that's available now, it really depends on the 
on the pathway that to recovery. Um, but typically 12 step based inpatient treatment, um, has like a 10% success rate. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, how do you measure success when you have like, like addiction is a chronic brain disease, which means it lasts forever with Mm -hmm. the progressive, right. With the, um, with the chance of relapse. And so for, in my mind, I think that like resiliency is something that is more measurable than, than identifying a relapse as, um, it's not that dichotomous. It's not like, oh, you relapsed and you're a failure or like that program doesn't work. But if somebody has a lapse and then is able to get back up and start engaging in the process again, then that is, speaks volumes about their resiliency that they've developed. Do you ever, uh, find it, or do you ever find politicians who are just like, I don't care about recovery at all. Like people make choices and if they want to choose to do drugs, that's their choice. And why do, why does the government have to get involved at all? They don't say those exact words, but their actions yeah, girl. show that. Yep. So a politician is not going to say those words mm-hmm. because they're politicians. So they would never say that oh, on, right. on mm-hmm. the record. But we gauge people's actions, and sure. a big part of that is what they're actually doing, not what they're saying. And so politicians that we did reach out to who didn't want to show up at anything, who told us they didn't have time, who were like, yeah, I'm good on that. I don't need to come to anything, right? And I said, yeah, you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. You have constituents. Right? Yes. And you're a public servant. Yeah. So... We are the public. Right. Mm-hmm. You serve us. So, so yeah, I mean, I did have politicians say that to me in so many, not in those exact words, but in their actions and their behavior. Rough. Mm-hmm. Like Disheartening. Yeah. Like we're opening a treatment facility and we have politicians that are supposed to sign off on our zoning paperwork that would have, they send it to the DA and the DA is like, oh, sorry, can't do anything, Fair Housing Act. And they had to pass it. But their biggest concern was like, well, what are we going to say to the neighbors? And I'm like, that we're bringing recovery to the community? Like, maybe you should read a book or like watch a YouTube video, bro. That's the stigma, though. Yeah, of course. There's there's always a stigma. But that's, those actions are the frustrating mm-hmm. ones. Um, so are you guys going to expand, like, to... S- Senate and whatnot next year? Congress? Maybe. Right now we're focused on state oh. legislators and, and state. Do you, uh, have, do you have any other like expanse planned? Like, I want them to go federal. <laughs> Every single state needs a pack. <laughs> the, the thing is, is this has never been done before. In any state? In any state. No so one, Nevada is the first, <laughs> first state to this have. Is I did not know that. Yes. There's this, never been a recovery pact. Not successful, no. Uh, this, I did not know that. Yes. That's why this is huge. And this I is have groundbreaking. You guys on podcast everything now. podcast. Exactly. Yeah. What? So remember this Who's in not 10 years. Me about right. this stuff? Maybe me. <laughs> in 10 years when we are doing federal elections sure. and we're doing presidential candidates. Or you you're running. Run, or when I'm running, exactly. 
So no, this has never been done before. Mm. And that's why this is so important. And this is really special is because no one's ever organized recovery oriented voters ever. No one's Mm. ever made recovery political. We've been told to be silent. We've been told to be anonymous. We've been told to be quiet and live in the church basement and go back into our caves and not have any kind of voice. And so for this to happen is is huge and it's it's important and, and we love seeing people come and support us and, and have interest because that reassures us that we're doing the right thing and that this is the right time and there's no better time to do it than now. I love what you said. I have a question. Yes. After the war on drugs, which I'm sure you're familiar with, um, there was a... It really silenced the recovery community. The recovery community was like coming out, like there were celebrities coming out, people were talking about recovery, people were talking about addiction and their experience, breaking the stigma. And then the war on drugs happened where there was an increase in incarceration and there was like racism and, you know, the D.A.R.E. program and all Mm -hmm. of the big ineffectiveness and one big ball. Right. Super big failures. Right. So my personal opinion is that uh, we're we're flirting with repeating the war on drugs here with these things that we're doing, the actions that people are taking. I'm I'm just curious for me. Like spending millions of dollars on an incinerator that's going to incinerate all the drugs and like, yeah, it's like, right. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's so embarrassing talking about the dare program, talking about like the prevention services instead of promoting resilience and doing things that actually help that the research says helps. They're trying to like bring back the dare program and teach kids about drugs. Like, just say no, don't do drugs. It doesn't work. It's ineffective. No. And then um, just not providing people resources. And so that that experience really silenced the recovery community before. What do you think would silence the recovery community now? Because that's my concern is like everyone shows up and they get all excited and then something happens that puts them back into the shadows. What do you think that would be? I don't think there's anything that could silence people now. Hey, I mean, really, I, I think because the president has made this a national health emergency that it's on everyone's radar. Everyone is is awake to this issue. And that's kind of like the momentum that we're really trying to go off of. Mm-hmm. And is is that momentum? This may come off wrong, but I'm going to ask it anyways. So they they have this, you know, uh, national emergency, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that like kind of fear based, though? Like, wouldn't you rather have like a more like, yes, Mm -hmm. we need recovery. This is why I'm doing this podcast. This is why you're doing what you're doing. But is there like a more positive like affirmation of that? A lot of the actions taken are fear-based. People are becoming really, really afraid of drugs and they're trying to like get rid of all of them. Like, Because we, we obviously you know. need people like you in, in your pact. I may not agree with the people that you picked, but I believe in your cause. Um, so I, I appreciate that. But uh, I don't necessarily think that... Uh, stating things as a national emergency is the best scenario like to keep people interested is there do you think there's a more positive route well there's nothing positive about what's happening what's Mm -hmm. happening is people are dying and we're not but that's also a part of life i mean people get cancer people you know get hit by cars those are all terrible things but those are things that you know i think people aren't as afraid of as 
recovery. Like I'm not really afraid to get in my car, but I know that the person down the street is afraid to have a recovery house in their community. Right. And a lot of that is stigma that a lot of that goes back to the stigma. Fair of enough. Fair enough. Maybe you answered this. Then. Yeah. I mean, when I say the stigma is the biggest thing, it's, it's the biggest thing. It's, it's so always saw, the crux. If you of solve our, the stigma, you solve the fear. Mm-hmm. A huge part of it. Main, maybe enough. not completely, but a huge part of that fear is stigma. I don't want that in my neighborhood or I don't want my money to go to, you know, the guy on the side of the road with the brown paper bag, you know, like he's hungry. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, he is. And thirsty. <laughs> but that that is a big part of the stigma. Fair enough. And we all it's really important that people are my hope is that the in the endorsed candidates will become a voice for recovery. But I, I also hope that they are provided with people just need more information because they only hear what's on the they only hear what's on the news. Like I got a text the other day that said, um, oh my gosh, like did you hear that meth is back with a vengeance? And I was like Meth never left. Right. We, we've just been like, you know, opioids are impacting He's middle like, class white people. Take a break, and then guys. Our community flips out. Like cocaine, take my place for a while. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, cocaine's too expensive, and you know, it's it's not about the drugs, but like that's all people hear. So then they're like, oh my god, we have to be afraid of meth and painkillers. But I don't really think that anyone, no one actually thinks they're going to get addicted. They're like, oh, there's an opioid epidemic, but I got this dental procedure and I got a bottle of hydrocodone. So, you know, it's not going to happen to me. That's the problem. People don't think it's going to happen to them. And teaching them about the addictive nature of a pill doesn't help. No, we just we want to support recovery. So Mm -hmm. if people do get addicted, that they know there's places to get help. Bingo. So you just gave me this uh, pamphlet, right? And on the back has some statistics. Yeah, so we did some polling here when we started our pack to see what the general population thought about recovery, if they even cared about it. So this first one, 40, 42% would vote for a candidate not of their own party if they supported recovery, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. It's a little less than half. Again, very foreign to me, but I like the statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is kind of hilarious to me. I'm sorry. Uh, 70%, 72% of voters agree that people in recovery are of value to their families and community. Who doesn't value people in their family? Like, even if they're in recovery, <laughs> like that's... Well, believe it or not, that stigma... Apparently 18% don't. There's a shame mm-hmm. piece. 18% of people do not care about people in their family who are in recovery... Which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. That's sad. But 72% of them do. do think that people in recovery are of value. And that's the part that we like to emphasize. Mm-hmm. How many people in recovery think they themselves are valuable? That is a really good question. What's that on this flag? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a whole nother model that... Is, uh, is a whole I just want to let who's ever listening know you're valuable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They really no, are. Yeah, they are. 
Well, and again, I, I hate to say this again, but the stigma is it, not. It's, it's a huge part. Apparently, it's a huge part of it. Is even even with yourself, even with yourself, you know, you think I I don't deserve to vote, or I'm a felon, or I've done all these horrible things, and. I don't deserve to be at a dinner with the governor and the attorney general and I, I can't go talk to them. I'm and, trying to eat with those guys. And a big part a big part of like what I did over this year was encouraging my people to mm-hmm. go and talk to their legislators because they were terrified. Yeah. yeah. They what do I say? I said go up to them and shake their hand and tell them mm-hmm. your name. Ask yeah. them if they like Marilyn Manson. Right. Right. <laughs> Ask them well Finally, mostly, someone's asking the real questions. Yeah, <laughs> mostly asking them what have what, you ever asked the candidate that? I haven't. Oh man, Monica. I don't know how many would, but I'm you're sure telling, there's somebody out you're there. Telling me Adam Laxaw doesn't bang his head. <laughs> Man, which is okay, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, the stigma, it, it is even, you know, that's a big thing with even ourselves mm-hmm. is thinking that we, we do deserve to have a seat at the table. And that's what I was saying is I think for so many years we thought we didn't deserve a seat at the table and that we were outcasts and we were lepers mm-hmm. and we needed to stay quiet and stay doing our own thing and not be involved in these type of things because nobody would want to hear from us. And so when we did this polling, we wanted to talk to the general public and see what um, they thought about us. How many people did you poll? A thousand one sixty two something. In recovery or out of recovery? Both. Just Nevada Clark County voters. Just in general. So they could have been both. They could have been yeah. Fair enough. This is another slightly funny. Both these last ones, it's just hard for me to believe. 62% would uh, support about initiatives of legislation that increase access to recovery. Mm-hmm. Why isn't it 100%? I don't understand. Because people, same, which same brings thing. us back to, what's the what's the buzzword of the evening? Stigma. Stigma. Again, I am not in recovery. Mm-hmm. i never been to this program, never been to this 12 so It's partly why I started this podcast is to understand. Awesome. Um, which again, is why we need I commend that. I, I have family members who are currently, you know, dealing with addiction. I've I've put my mother through uh, rehab before. Uh, again, this is me trying to understand. This is how I'm attacking this podcast to understand because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and you know what? I think, too, with that, like you're saying, how come that's not 100 percent of people? Yeah, being, mm-hmm. Like, why is it only 83 percent of Voters believe that it is important to have access to various ways to recover. I just want to know about those 17% that are like, no, I hope that they never get recovered. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I love them homeless and I love them without resources. Like, who are these people? I wanted, out out of the the, the 1,062 that you voted, there were 17% was like, I don't give a fuck. Well, and the thing is, is with any issue, whether it's recovery or abortion or gun mm-hmm. rights, there's always going to be people that are going to be those hard nose that are going to say, no, I don't think women should make the same amount of money as men and I don't care. And there's nothing you can do about that. They're, and and those aren't the people we're targeting. They're always going to be no. It's mm-hmm. the people who are saying, well, yeah, maybe or I slightly agree with that or I strongly agree or strongly disagree the people who are the flat out knows, what are you gonna do? They're not gonna support us anyway, and yeah. they're not our target. You know, I'm, I'm until me, they need pers- help. me personally, right. I'm just a little, little curious on the age group and race of these forty 
or I have 30, all the statistics. I would love to show you in my office. 38% uh-huh. people who do I not think you should have increased access to right. recovery. I even have their phone numbers if I you want really to call them and invite them to your podcast. I would like Not that. only I would, would like I like to, to invite them. them, I will call them on the podcast and yes. be like, yo, mm-hmm. oh how come you don't want mm-hmm. people to have greater access to recovery? Explain yourself. That'd be a great yeah, topic. Do it. I would love um, access to that data set because I would Is it illegal for you to give like us to run numbers? that? No. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's something. I'll look like, into it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's just say you don't give it to us, wink. Right. You hacked into my computer. I'm very good on computers, by the right. way. Yeah, or you can volunteer for us and you'd get I'm, information to that anyway. I'm also super sneaky. So <laughs> just it's not highly cl- it's not highly classified information. It's just voter. I mean, these mm-hmm. are all registered voters in Clark County. So but they took your poll. They did take our and poll. And they made a choice. And they did. And now I think they should be accountable for that choice. Right. At least have to explain themselves. Yeah. And I would like to know, like, I'm wondering to change opinions. Do you have any questions? I'm well, wondering I have, I have why a, you put this. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like maybe, maybe you don't understand. Oh, wait, you do understand. Oh, so you do know better. You just are Im- immoral. So you're a moral failure. Congratulations, you know. <laughs> All right. A uh, cu- couple more questions. Uh, what has been the response in the community? Well, just like I said on this poll, it's it's been good. We, Fair enough. Mm-hmm. We went to the general public and they do support recovery and they're willing to vote for recovery issues and... They're willing to switch parties to support a recovery candidate, which has been a really big thing for us is having people in our community vote for our endorsed candidates that aren't of their same party, but they're willing to vote for them based on the issue of recovery and supporting our platform. How can people get involved? They can go to www.recoverypack.org and sign up for our newsletter and sign up for our updates. As I mentioned earlier, we have advocacy, advocate updates for when we want to hold these politicians accountable. And we have to let people know, hey, guys, we all got to go down to City Hall. We're going to protest so and so because they're going to vote on a bill that's going to criminalize addiction. And we all need to show up and stand up and wear our stand up for recovery shirts and bring your pitchfork. Right. That's your, that's your guys' hashtag, right? Yes, mm-hmm. it's stand up for recovery. Um, I got two questions. One's a biggie. How do I know, like as an individual who may or may not want to be involved with your pact, right? Uh-huh. How do I prove that the people you endorse, right, um, aren't paying for these endorsements like how do i know that this isn't some scam Mm -hmm. sorry i don't mean to sound no no. i'm just curious like how do i know that you're legitimately for recovery and the people that you are picking Mm -hmm. your process and how do i know it's all legit so the Nevada Secretary of State, because we are a PAC, you have to report all contributions, whether they're 50 cents to $50,000 as part of your campaign reports. 
and you can see everybody who has donated money to us and you can see what candidates have donated money, what private citizens, what individuals, what nonprofits, whatever. And you can see all of that. All of that is public record. And as well as for other politicians, you can see you're asking how much money we gave politicians. You can go on all of these endorsed candidates' websites, and they have to report the amount of money that we gave them. Oh, fair mm-hmm. enough. So you'll see that they, they, you have to report that by law. And there's three reporting sessions that the this last one's going to end on Friday, and that's updated constantly. So Nevada Secretary of State, every campaign is on there. Every PAC is on there. Anybody, politi- anything political is on there. And that's how you see how much money is getting who to so, what. So there's not like a way, the way you guys have to set up, there's not a way that a certain candidate can uh, like infiltrate and make sure that he gets the recovery vote. Not unless they want to lose their nonprofit status. I mean, if that's... I'm, again... Just curious. No, no, you're 100% right. I've just been learning all this stuff since we started our nonprofit and like reading through. And especially if you're going to be involved with politics, they're like real weird about it. We do. We have to do I'm our sure there's some financial reporting with like a fine tooth comb and we sit down. So there's no hacking lawyer. the system. Oh, no, there's no hacking. The system. I can be comfortable that with whoever you endorsed, you made a democratic decision between a group of people. And can be comfortable with that. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that, you know, people know that, like... That's a good question. Like, yeah, that's a great list, question. listening know that, like, you're just not a f- front for whatever candidates you're mm-hmm. supporting. That that the process was legitimate. And I believe what you're saying, and it, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why we had our meetings public. We invited the public. Like mm-hmm. I said, Dr. Sarah came. We invited people to come. We wanted people anybody who cared about recovery to come and be part of the process and come and meet the candidates and come and talk to the candidates and come and ask them. It's you're right. Most PACs, they, they don't do this. Mm -hmm. That's why this is so groundbreaking is this is a grassroots movement. Most PACs, they have one side, they support D or R and the issues are either D or R issues. How many, how much, how do they differ on yours? Like what is the ratio? It's almost half and half. Fair enough. I think they're, it's like maybe two more than the other. Which side? I don't know. Fair mm-hmm. enough. You can, you can, it's, they're almost equal. There's Fair 20 enough. endorsed candidates. But most PACs, they don't. Most PACs, they Pick write checks. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, again, say pro-choice and that's a D issue. And so you. You vote, you vote D. You vote D. You support all D, can, all D candidates. You get money from other D groups and you don't get to decide who you're going to endorse. You're just endorsing them based on the pro-choice issue or whatever. Sure. Uh, Recovery is nonpartisan. And so because of that, it wasn't an easy just down the ticket this side or that. We had to bring everybody in. We had to talk to them. Like I said, we, you know, made them sign, made them sign pledges. We interviewed them essentially in the community. We had our community involved in that because we wanted the recovery community to have a voice in this as well. So the next time this happens, it may not be uh, a Republican that you endorse. It may be a Democrat or an independent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and 
the next time we do this, um, we might have more people on that endorsement committee. Mm. This, you know, we're fairly new. And when you were sure. asking me how we picked people, it, there wasn't a lot of people to pick from. Fair enough. No, I Maybe that. next time it'll be a little bit more of a stringent process because we might have a lot of people who could be eligible to be on that. Um, but we hope for that. What's something that you, what's a message that you would share to voters now? Not people just in recovery, but just all voters. That was my easy ball question to end it. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Bummer. But I do wonder, like, because I think that the biggest impact, well, there's two things. Like, one, people in recovery deserve a voice. Two, there's so many millions of people that have no idea what recovery means. Like, you say recovery, they think, like, after surgery. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, what's something that you would share with the what do you want the people to know about you mm-hmm. what do you want everybody to know about recovery back we want people to know that recovery is a political issue and that the only way that we're going to see changes is to get political to get, get to get involved we have to have action and Vote. again that's that's not just for recovery that's for anything if you have a cause that you're really passionate about like you were saying mm-hmm. you know human rights causes any good human rights organization, they're involved politically. Right. And the only way to make change is to get your community involved, go to your legislators, vote, show up, make these people accountable. You know, the government works for the people. So remember that and, and be that force for them to work for. Fair enough. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. um, Monica. And thank you, Dr. Sarah. Thank you, Chris um, West. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you, Monica. What's You're your last wonderful. name again? Sorry. It's Monica Sherez. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want people to follow you on Instagram and whatnot? Or do you want to plug yeah, yourself? Please, well, <laughs> please follow the <laughs> pact at yeah. facebook.com slash recovery pack and as well as instagram.com slash recovery pack and twitter.com slash recovery pack and recoverypack.org. Beautiful. And if you have an opportunity to party with the pack, I would highly recommend it because they're good people. Uh, to be around. Yeah, if you sign up on our website, we ha- we do events all the time, and that's we, we invite candidates to them. And the next events that we'll have after Election Day will actually be with our endorsed candidates, and so people can come meet them. If they didn't get to meet them during this crazy election cycle, they can meet them. Can you get them on the podcast? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I have some that would love to be on your podcast because addiction and recovery is very personal to them. Fair enough. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I'm Chris West. I'm Dr. Sarah. And this is Recover Everything. Thank you.